You're listening to Radio 89.7 FM. This is Arts Monday Simpoesi streaming to you from the Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. I'm on call to poet and writer Kaya Ortiz, whose work is grounded in themes of ancestry, identity, memory, and language. Kaya, good morning. Do we have you on the line? Yes, I'm here. Good morning. Uh, good morning. It's very early in Perth where you're calling from. I believe it's 7.30 a.m. So thank you for rising up early for us this morning. Are you an early riser otherwise? Um, not normally, but with work, I've just learned to get up early. Yeah. And, and what about your writing process? Uh, you are a poet and a writer. What are the hours of the day that you find most inspiring to sit down and put things on paper? I think I more, feel more creative uh, at night, probably. Late in night, going into early morning? Yeah, something like that. I'm a bit of a night owl. Mm-hmm. And still you get to wake up early for the work. So that's a bit of a commitment, I guess, there. Yeah. And do you I, I was I was saying how putting things on paper, do you tend to write on paper or is computer mostly the device that you use when you write? I do a bit of both actually. I find writing on paper helps if I'm if I need to like unblock some writer's block. Mm. Um yeah. And then I just transfer things to the computer. Mm. So what is it about paper that helps you unblock that? I think it's less intimidating because you're allowed to be messy and you're allowed to make mistakes. Mm. Yeah, there is something also about tactility, I feel, of the paper and pen on it. Mm. Uh, maybe body is engaged in a different way. I guess the inspiration flows differently then as well with this embodied presence. Yeah, I definitely think that's part of it too. Mm. You're originally from an island in the Philippines called Mindanao, if I'm correct, and you also lived in Tasmania before relocating to Perth. And as someone who has been moving a lot, your writing is grounded in and inspired by your experiences of relocation and migration. I'm curious, how would you describe the underlying themes and concerns addressed in your writing? I definitely think there's uh, a lot of searching for some kind of belonging or asking what home means. That's been a big part of it through my whole writing journey. And I think now it's sort of starting to evolve into a place of finding home where I am. Mm. And is this uh, fluid sense of identity something that you nowadays embrace or is your writing an attempt to ground your identity into something more stable, something that is more constant? I definitely think it in the beginning it was a way of grounding myself but maybe through writing actually I've definitely come to a place where it's not as big of a sort of identity crisis anymore it's just this is who I am and you know you can like it or leave it mm. and you said that through writing you uh, came to the place where you can embrace that how do you explain this to yourself? What did the writing do in order for you to achieve this transition, I guess? What is it about I writing think, that allowed for that? I think writing gave me a space to connect with myself and connect with all these big feelings and uh, experiences that I've had, just a way of expressing them and also coming to accept them. 
and realizing that all of this is a part of what makes me who I am. Mm. You spoke uh, just a bit earlier about the writer's block. Is this block then connected to something that is happening internally, something that you're still not ready to embrace, or is it about something else that you feel the block around? I think probably it's a mix of things, yeah. Like what you mentioned, it might be something that I'm not ready to process yet, or it could be something like I'm just facing this perfectionism or self-doubt sort of thing. Mm. You have selected for us for today a number of poems. I believe we will hear four of them. Can you talk to me a bit about why this particular selection and how or what underlines all of them in in a way? Um, Well, I was sort of looking for poems that connected a bit more to the eco-poetry theme of um, this radio show. And I think um, what connects all of them is there's definitely um, a sort of longing to reconnect with something more intrinsically human and connected to the land, something that wants to return to kind of simpler way of seeing all of our earthly connections. Mm. The first one that we will hear is called Roots. Is there anything you would like to tell us about it before we hear it, or would you prefer to read it first and then reveal a bit about it after? Well, I guess I just want to say uh, this poem is a multilingual poem, so it's it's mostly in English, but there are pieces of it that are in Tagalog or Filipino. And then, yeah, I can speak a bit more about it after I read it. I yes, let's do that. Let's hear Roots from Kaya Ortiz, your Nisa Radio 89.7 FM. Roots. One. I look into the mirror and see all my past selves. Peeling silver dissolves into sepia-toned photographs. My apple is young, and I am the opposite of a memory. I'm every rock lining the bye-bye. Bo'o, pero ano ang nomad kundi kakofnid by searching. I know only my name, only the sand clinging to my skin. Two. Every alas dos sa hapon, umuulan na naman. Dopey, dopey, dopey. The wet earth is my mother tongue. I open my mouth to taste it. Tatai breaks the neck of a manok. I listen to him speak, but I do not know the words. Mamaya, ahimik ang gabi. Tulog kami sa floor beneath the kolombo. Tonight, I dream of something other than Dugo. Three, I'm a thousand years old and sculpted from soil. I'm carved down and made to float. I grow feet and learn to walk. Walang kwento kundi ito. Apo's brown hand lifted to my forehead. Each line the threads I tie around my limbs. Time cracking salt white through the seed. Another leaf falls into the river. I close my eyes and wander out to sea.
you mentioned the multilingual structure of this poem. Can you talk to us a bit about this choice to write in multiple languages and what effect do you think it has on us reading and maybe not understanding the whole part of it? For me, being able to write in two languages is like a direct reflection of my upbringing and where I come from. So to write a poem like Cold Roots, sort of exploring familial or origin, it felt very important to include that. Of course, um, that means that there will be certain readers who won't be able to understand the whole thing. And I think that's that's okay. Mm. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I for me it triggers the idea of understanding beyond words, beyond language, of in a way sensing the poem or sensing what emotion is conveyed in it and through it without clinging too much to the language, which as important as it is often actually separates us. Yes, absolutely. There's definitely um this sense of trusting the reader to do some of the work as well, which I think is always comes up with poetry anyway. Mm. There is a wonderful line in Roots uh, that says, I'm the opposite of memory. And I was curious when I was reading, what do you have in mind when you say that? And if you are opposite of memory, then what are you? Mm. So I was thinking about my grandmother, my apple, uh, when she was younger and seeing these photos of her and realizing I had never known this person and I hadn't even existed yet when these pictures were taken. And in that sense, you know, this thinking of I I don't exist yet, I exist in the future. I guess that's where that line comes from. Mm. You also say in uh, this poem Roots that I am a thousand years old and sculpted from soil and as you were now saying, uh, it is about ancestry, and in a lot of your poetry, you examine connection to ancestry and also a non-linear notion of time, where past, present, and future collide and are with us every day, and we are all connected through it. Is this non-linearity of time, circularity of time, in other words, something that is of interest to you? And in lots of cultures that are non-Western cultures, this is how the time is thought of. Mm, yeah, definitely. Uh, it is it is of interest to me. I sort of I always wonder about how, um, like how much of my ancestors exist in me, and that sort of thing of you know the people who came before us are never truly gone, and things sort of existing on one linear plane. Mm. I just find it fascinating. And were you born in Philippines? Is this your background or is it uh, your family that was born there and you were born in Tasmania? Mm, so um, my father was born and my sister, my father and my sister were born in the Philippines. I was actually born in Hobart due to just some uh, medical issues. But um, very soon after I was born, uh, my family went back to the Philippines and I grew up over there. So you are multilingual and English would be your second language, would you say, or...? Mm, uh, well, English is um, sort of my first language now, but uh, the first language that I learned to speak was Tagalog. Mm. 
I'm asking this because I was wondering if your interest in language developed as a result of migration and learning how, how to operate in multiple languages. And I'm speaking from my personal experience being from Croatia originally and then migrating to Australia in my 20s. Learning how to operate, as I said, in another language brought to my attention the artificiality of language as well as the power of language to shape the way we think and operate. And it also brought to my attention that language could be otherwise, that we could be more inventive with it. And I guess from that uh, awareness, the, the poetry arises in many ways, the playfulness with language. Is this something that is your experience as well as you operate in two languages, noticing this uh, construction of language? Yeah, absolutely. I'm fascinated when I think about Tagalog and the differences uh, it has to English, the ways of expressing things and, you know, how there are some words that are untranslatable in a way. And uh, yeah, it, language is endlessly fascinating to me, mm -hmm. um, probably because I grew up uh, speaking a few different languages. Mm -hmm. Also, Roots, your poem is written in three parts. What is the significance of this kind of breaking, I guess, of reading by saying second part, third part? Why this structure? I suppose when I was writing the poem, I found a few like distinct areas of where my thoughts were kind of heading. Um, like the first bit is sort of me looking back. And then the second bit is focused more on that sort of past memory whereas the third bit then sort of goes into almost a dreamlike state, I suppose, where it's kind of surreal and almost uh, removed entirely from time. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought, yeah, I, I suppose, um, yeah, it made sense to me to just sort of structure it in that way. And I also really like having this kind of symmetrical kind of structure as well. What do you like about it? I think I like um, structures because they allow me to have more freedom to play with uh, the words and the lines. Mm. And it, it sort of allows me to just be playful, where but still having some kind of um, just grounding mm. of the poem so that it's not like all over the place. Mm. I love this concept or idea of uh, structure allowing for playfulness and freedom. I often experience that myself. Another poem that we will hear today by yours is called Salt Geographies. Again, is it something that you would like to share with us before we hear it or should we have a listen first? Uh, I think with this one, we can, we can have a listen. Yeah, I'll read it first. This is Isa Radio 89.7 FM, Arts Monday Simpoesis. My name is Ira and I am in conversation with poet Kaya Ortiz, who will now read to us her poem Salt Geographies. Salt Geographies. Back in the Philippines, salt collects on my upper lip, bulad with rice for breakfast. I recall the four months of blackouts during El Nino one year, the hydroelectric plants gone dry. Six hours a day I waited for the tap to drip water, siphon the sweat from my skin. Now, monsoon season, mosquitoes and buckets full of water. Mid-air in a plane, nothing below but sea. First southern summer, 
Hobart's frigid river. I wait for my skin to numb. Some say this makes me Tasmanian. The water is still enough to float on. I lie in the sun and am brown within the hour. Evaporation leaves white salt flecks on my skin. Ozone thinning predicts skin cancer in my future. The future is not a real place. I am young and always moving. In Perth, I wait for my skin to crack open. Yellow sand comes up between the crevices of our paved back porch. Then it shifts and turns to gold. There are things that survive the desert. Everything we own in one car. 40 degrees in November, the bed soaked in sweat. Over east, the sky is smoke, the soil ashes. My other country floods, and I drink the sea, desalinated. Geographies addresses transition from one identity to another and speaks of the striving to belong, to be legitimized as a part of a place. And you also question what makes one Tasmanian or Filipino. You have a line there saying, some say this makes me Tasmanian. How much do you think, or in your view, is one's identity defined by a place? I think place uh, can have a really... Um, big effect or impact on identity. Yeah, I grew up in the Philippines and that definitely shaped my worldview very differently to how I sort of viewed the world when my family moved to Tasmania. And I think, you know, that's why we experience things like culture shock um, because place can just have such an impact. And obviously the place comes with culture as well. It comes with all the people in that place. It can come with a different language. Um, yeah, and it definitely comes with a very different kind of geography that we interact with. Mm. And uh, in Salt Geographies, you write a line saying, in Perth, I wait for my skin to crack open. And I like this evocation of time here that, a sense of belonging arriving is something that is durational, a painstakingly long process of waiting in a way. Yeah, that's maybe not a question there, just an observation. Mm -hmm. uh, what was going, what is this skin cracking open for you? Uh, I think it was, part of it was, I was thinking about the, the heat. So coming from 
Tasmania where it can be quite cold even in summer. Mm. Uh, and then coming to Perth where the summers are just very hot, sometimes humid, and it was just this um, sort of getting used to the differences in temperature. But also it was um, sort of figuring out what my new sort of place would be, mm. what my new role would be in this um, different place. Mm. And then another line that I really liked is the future is not a real place. What does it mean to you to even think about the future or as a place or not a real place? Mm. Yeah, I think for probably a lot of us at the moment, it's hard to think very far into the future, especially with, you know, the climate change and this whole issue is our government not wanting to sort of address that seriously. I think we're all sort of wondering or scared about what's going to happen in the future. And so when I was writing this, I yeah, I was very much thinking, having all of these big thoughts, and then I just came to the conclusion, well, you know, this is right now, and right now the future doesn't exist yet mm. and I guess in a way that means we still have the power to affect it in some way. Mm. In your writing themes of environmentalism seem to be intrinsically connected to themes of identity, memory and belonging. Do you see these two or these multiple things actually as connected the way we treat environment and I guess the way we treat each other in some way culturally? Yeah, I definitely think so, because I think I guess maybe that comes from um, when I was growing up and uh, when I would visit my grandmother in her uh, very rural village and just seeing this very different way of living that was seemed like it was much more, I guess, connected to nature and realizing that. I have some kind of uh, roots in that sort of way of living as well. I mean, really, we all do. Um, we're humans. We, in a way, we came from the earth too. And I, I definitely think that um, we could all benefit from finding some kind of uh, reconnection to that. Mm. Well, let's see. Uh, let's hear another poem of yours. This one is called "Earth is Another Word." For prayer. This is Eastside Radio 89.7 FM. I am in conversation with poet Kaya Ortiz, and we will hear a poem of hers Earth is Another Word for Prayer. Our Mother Earth, Altar, Ancestor, my open mouth. Your name is mine. Your mountaintops and ancient forests, the brisk brush, salt breeze. The bush gum damp, my body, yours, my hunger, yours. You speak nothing so vulgar as English. I unhinge my jaw. No key for a mother tongue but memory, palms against the soil. Forgive me my salt, my decades of taking. I am a mother with no children, but you are all our mothers, the wound we leave behind. I kneel where the water meets land. You have borne bloodshed, sickness, war, all ours, none yours. Mythologize us, 
and then let the fever take its course. Is this not how the body heals? Salt purged from every crevice. No, I forget. Earth is not soft flesh, but time, teacher, prophet. Forgive me my ashes, my own reckless burning. There is a future where you flourish. I scour the past. I follow the path. I see it, sweet as rain. You speak nothing so vulgar as English. I love that line. What does this line signify to you? You again return to issues of language here. Uh, for that line, I definitely was thinking along the lines of um, the violence of colonization and how that has, you know, definitely contributed to um, the. Uh, climate change issues that we're experiencing now and sort of the destruction of a lot of uh, environmentally important places. And where were you where, when you wrote this particular poem? What, were, what was the first line that came to the paper again or to the computer? Um, so it's interesting, actually, because this poem uh, has two lines in it. Um, which is Forgive Me My Salt, My Decades of Taking, which uh, comes from um, someone else's poem. So it, it came from a poem by uh, Brenna Tui, but uh, her poem is actually about um, heartbreak and uh, in a romantic sort of sense. But I just really love these two lines. So the poem actually started with those two lines, and then I sort of wrote around it. Mm. And how many take do you have when you write poems is it in one sitting often or do you come back to it many multiple times do you share it with others for feedback as well I think I usually come back to it multiple times like I'll write a couple lines or stanzas and then I'll move things around next time I sit down to it um, sometimes I do show it to others during the process but sometimes I leave it till it's done before I show anyone mm. I also noticed that in your writing, I've uh, looked at some other poetry of yours, and uh, you often opt to not using capitalization. So, for instance, you often write I in small letters rather than capital I, which to me personally kind of minimizes the importance of individual identity in a good way, in a less egocentric way, I guess. Is there a reason why you opt for these small letters, or is it just maybe a purely stylistic choice? Hmm. I think um, it might be a bit of both. So I started doing it because uh, one of my favorite poets, uh, Safia Elhulo, wrote her poetry in this way as well. And like this was a few years ago now, so I was a young poet then. And then I sort of came to this reasoning, probably from someone else as well, that it was a way of um, kind of subverting the rules of language, especially when you're writing in English, which is, you know, this sort of colonial tongue. Mm. 
but now it, it can be a stylistic choice as well because sometimes I opt for different um, different forms of capitalization. Mm. And the final poem of yours we will hear this morning is In My City Apartment, I Dream of a Garden. Anything you would like to tell us about this one before we hear it? Yeah, so uh, I actually wrote this for, this is quite a new poem. I wrote it for um, uh, a book, which is uh, the in honor of the Tasmanian Land Conservancy's uh, 20th anniversary. So definitely when I was writing this, um, it was a lot of thinking about my connections to Tasmania, which actually comes through my grandparents mostly. And so was this poem commissioned? You wrote it after the um, journal approached you to include your poetry in the anthology? Yes, that's right. And how do you find commissions? Do you find them helpful for your writing process or do they create a certain stress because there is a deadline and expectation? What is your preference? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I do like when um, I'm asked to write a poem around a specific sort of theme, but yeah, it can be definitely a little bit uh, stressful when I realize the deadline is about to come up. Mm. Well, let's hear it. Issa Radio, mm-hmm. 89.7 FM. Kaya Ort is reading her poem, In My City Apartment, I Dream of a Garden. In my city apartment, I dream of a garden. One. There are days I still taste the sharp tang of jam. Lola's laundry on the line, spring stuck. That one summer, before the veil fell, apricots bloom bright on Lola's tree. Us cousins converge with buckets and laughter. Sun glaring, we sweat and reach for fruit, honey ripe. Lolo had pruned the snowbuds since last bounty with big calloused hands, machine scarred. Lola inside with a big brown pot and white sugar, ready for a hundred apricots and hours stirring. Syrup rises in the house, a ritual of our hands. Each fruit's legacy in my palm its unseen roots. After, glass jars line up in the pantry, sunset deep to last us through to spring. Two, far from my island home, I drudge to work, I sleep. Imagine an end to my scrimping, my body's ache. There are days I miss the green years, tender as apricot flesh before the teeth sink in. There are days I dream kunani, snow-topped, light, a tree laden with suns and gum-sharp mornings. Meanwhile, I write poetry in the stillness of my day job, the work of my hands and heart. I ask the rain for something greener to eat, ask the trees for an answer. What is the legacy of my hands, the land stain on me? I plant seeds into pots, place them in the sun. At the end, is this not all there is? Love, the land, and the small work of our hands. There is a great sense of nostalgia in this poem, in my reading at least of it. And I'm curious, how would you describe nostalgia 
Is it something similar to dreaming? Because the poem is called I Dream of a Garden. I definitely think for me personally, uh, nostalgia can come with a lot of dreaming or at least daydreaming. Just, um, you know, spending time thinking about past experiences and in a way our longing for them or longing for at least the feelings that you had back then. And would you say that nostalgia is connected to a sense of misplacement in any way? I think so. Um, I think as a, as a migrant, in a way, this feeling of displacement has caused me to probably think back or uh, daydream about my past a lot more than maybe I would have mm. if I hadn't felt that displacement or um, that sort of disconnection to a feeling of home. Mm. We spoke about the first line that came out on the page when you were re reading, Earth is another word for prayer. And I'm curious, mm -hmm. do you remember the first line that came out for this one? I think for this one, it might have been very similar to the actual first line that I've got here. It's to do with the the jam and this um, <laughs> the ritual of the making of the jam. Mm. And also, I'm asking you about lines and words again, but maybe some of the poems also come as a result of images that are imprinted in, in memory, as you're saying, and this is obviously, or taste, so it could be other senses that play a part in inspiration, I guess, as well. Yeah, definitely. I think especially for this one, um, it was very much uh, me wanting to sort of tell this story <laughs> if you can call it a story. And you're likening uh, your own roots to the roots of the fruit. You say, each fruit's mm. legacy in my palm, its unseen roots. Is this how you see it in, in, in a way, uh, this again connection between the individual body and the greater body of nature, of mother nature? Yeah, I like to think that, uh, well, I like to think very metaphorically, since I like to write poetry, but I definitely think there are, there are ways to draw connections through everything and sort of thinking of myself as, as like a fruit um, with this potential to grow into a tree and produce other fruits uh, is is somewhat comforting, I guess, in a way. Mm. What is comforting about it? What is produced through that evocation, I guess? I think uh, it's it's something to do with having uh, some kind of impact or leaving some kind of legacy in the world, just like leaving a s small mark. And I guess that's what this poem is about, is sort of thinking about what what's going to be left behind or what am I going to make of my life? Well, Kaya, thank you very much for taking time in the early Perth morning to talk to us here in Sydney on ESAD Radio 89.7 FM. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure.